Okay, it's my great pleasure to have on the line with me this evening Father Chris Bedding. He's in his car. He's the rector of the Anglican Parish of Darlington. Thanks very much for joining us. It's great to be with you. So we've had protests again this evening. Uh, Sydney, Melbourne, I understand you're on your way to to one in Perth. Uh, how important a moment is this, do you think, in terms of uh, the refugee rights campaign nationwide? Yeah, I, I might be uh, hopelessly optimistic, but I feel like something is moving. And after a long time, uh, we're starting to see a shift in the attitude amongst the Australian people. And the fact that a number of political leaders around the country uh, at a state level are stepping up to declare their welcome and compassion for refugees is a really significant step. And for the churches, uh, it's been a bit of a slow burn on this issue. Uh, We started off, I think, doing a lot of welfare and advocacy and uh, kind of pastoral support for refugees. I mean, that's been going on on for decades. Um, And then in the last few years, that stepped up uh, to involve nonviolent direct action, uh, a range of sit-ins, uh, protests and so on. And then that's kind of all culminated in the last few days with the sanctuary movement. And so it is really quite extraordinary to see six cathedrals around the country step up. And for your listeners who perhaps don't understand where cathedrals fit into things, uh, cathedrals are, are, are what they are because um, bishops have their seats inside them. Uh, but they usually also are identified significantly with the the kind of leading figures in the community in each of their cities. So here in Perth, you know, there there are a lot of the the kind of influential figures in the city who uh, worship or participate in events at the cathedral. And so to have six of them around the country step up and say that uh, if asylum seekers are in desperate need, they're prepared to open their doors and offer sanctuary, uh, is, a, is a really quite remarkable step uh, and a very heartening step um, for all people, but particularly for the Christians who've been working on this issue for a long time. We've, uh, we've had Jared McKenna, uh, of course, uh, and Father uh, Peter Barney uh, on our program before talking about, I guess, uh, you know, this build-up, obviously Love Makes a Way, uh, the, the you know the kind of organisation that's uh, that's bringing that together. Um, talk to us, I guess. Uh, I'm interested. What's what's the news from your parishioners? How much of this is being driven from from the grassroots from parishioners? How much is it kind of a you know coming from above, so to speak? Is it? Or, yeah. you know? No. Look, I can assure you, this is coming a hundred percent from the parishioners. Um, our bishops have been outspoken, and that and there's. Every church has a different structure, but the general kind of leadership of moderators and presidents and so on across the churches have been outspoken uh, on the issues. But the, the sanctuary movement is coming from, uh, from individual churches and usually movers and shakers um, within the little local congregations. And so some of the stories I've heard over the last few days are about some people who are quite elderly, but who've managed to convince uh, the rest of their congregation, that they should step up to be a place of sanctuary. Uh, and in the case of the cathedrals, um, they have what's called a chapter. So the, the chapter members have been uniformly uh, supportive. This is like the board of the cathedral um, across the country, often with the, the, the priests, you know, uh, taking the first step, but then with others falling into line very quickly. I was pretty overwhelmed on Sunday, actually, uh, by my own congregation, who sort of crowded around... Um, it was almost 
uh, almost like I had to tell them to back off a little bit because I was saying, well, how are we going to do this? Uh, who's going to look after the food and the beds and who's going to make sure, you know, that, that the people are cared for and they're, they're all really willing to step up. Uh, and, and so it, it is an interesting time when we often look to uh, kind of senior high profile figures to take a stand, but there's also enormous power in the very ordinary people uh, at the local level uh, making these decisions which which have enormous symbolic power but also uh, practical assistance speaking you know of that symbolic power you know how much you know how much of this is i guess a, i mean obviously it's a very powerful symbolic gesture mm. but you know what's the the likelihood you know in you know in reality on the coalface i guess of of some asylum seekers actually finding their way to, you know, to churches and and finding refuge there. You know, is that um, what's the mechanics of that? If if, if you can uh, run our listeners through that. Sure, the um, number of of uh, asylum seekers who are in a position to seek sanctuary if they are ever needed to, uh, I understand to be between forty and fifty around the country. They're the ones who are in community detention. Uh, and who have uh, more freedom of movement. But the others are imprisoned inside various forms of detention centre and are less likely to be able to get out. Um, So in a sense, the numbers who might take advantage of the offer are relatively low. But we've also seen over time that things move very quickly uh, in this area uh, in terms of government policy. So we're not just making the offer for the next day or the next week or the next... Uh, you know, month. This is an ongoing, uh, permanent offer um, that if our government begins to round people up, as it's done in the past, and uh, try to uh, move them into places where they can be away from scrutiny and away from support, then we are ready. And we know that uh, it is symbolic, um, and there's a, a sense of, um, for some churches perhaps, that their commitment to the movement is primarily symbolic. Mm. But I can tell you, for my local parish, uh, we don't really want to be in a, a position where someone's seeking sanctuary, because that would mean the person has reached a, a last resort. But if it gets to that point, we are ready in, in terms of our attitude and our practical assistance. We are actually organised to, to offer that. You know, the next stage of uh, ripping down the detention centre doors and, uh, and a big... Uh uh, marching from from there and protecting people is obviously a little while away. But um, perhaps a more sensible question, uh, Chris, is, uh, you know, there's obviously different denominations within the Catholic Church. There's obviously different... Uh, oh, sorry, within the, the church, uh, within Christianity broadly. Yeah, yeah. Um, talk to us. We have a very progressive, uh, you know, relatively speaking, uh, Catholic Pope at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, where are, are some of the other denominations at, and I guess what's your call out to them? Mm. The, the Catholics, um, I think, are still mobilising. The Catholics have a very top-down structure and, uh, and are not in a position like some other uh, denominations to for local churches to make decisions with quite the level of autonomy that we've done. Sure. But we have seen the Sisters of St. Joseph, um, who are the Mary MacKillop Sisters, step up and offer every one of their convents as sanctuary, um, and, and they're quite a, a, a large, well-organised uh, group around the country. We've also seen Catholic Healthcare, St Vincent's and uh, Cal- uh, Calvary, who are two of the largest healthcare organisations in the country, step up uh, and say that they will offer um, healthcare support if people are in need of sanctuary. 
Uh, I'm aware of Churches of Christ, uh, at least two, uh, who've stepped up, and, uh, and also we're seeing some independent and Baptist churches. Um, the, the churches that will probably struggle with the conversation most are the ones who have over time aligned themselves very much with conservative politics. And even though they often will quietly and discreetly uh, advocate um, to conservative politicians that they know, they're less inclined to take um, more drastic steps than these um, public symbolic steps because sadly they've aligned themselves with a particular um, party or a particular movement uh, within politics. Um, so the, the, the churches who are less aligned uh, have been more likely to step up. But I think actually we're going to see uh, in the next few weeks more and more churches stepping up to offer sanctuary. Um, I know the Salvation Army uh, collectively uh, has agreed um, to offer sanctuary and they've identified a number of churches, um, or they call them citadels, that are, are ready to, uh, to, to be available and they're hoping to expand that number. Uh, so it's by no means universal amongst Christians, um, but it is widespread and it is kind of having an effect on those places that might not be in a hurry to offer sanctuary. So it's it's great to, to hear about the Christian uh, community coming on board. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the next question is uh, what you call out to the New Age community, what you call out to, uh, you know, the yoga crew out there, what you call to the atheists. Um, this is something that, uh, you know, the Christians are showing the way and, and that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, what's your call out there? And when, what evidence have you seen, I guess, of you know the larger community uh, getting behind this issue? Mm. Look, I, I think we've seen um, people of all different worldviews um, both uh, speak out on this issue and um, respond very negatively to the proposition of refugees and asylum seekers. So it, it is a, an issue that actually divides uh, every community, regardless of their uh, their view on the world. Um, so every, regardless of whether you're an atheist or, or a Muslim or a Hindu or a Wiccan or whatever your worldview is, you're going to find people who perhaps have a similar um, religious or, um, or approach to, to life that you do who nevertheless are not convinced on the issue. So um, there's a lot of work to be done peer-to-peer, and I think that's kind of the first and probably the hardest work that we each need to do is find our peers and convince them that um, they need to, to speak up for protection and for compassion. Uh, I think the other, the other thing that uh, is emerging is the power of nonviolence. And uh, I was over in uh, Palestine recently and, and quite blown away to meet with uh, leaders from uh, Muslim and Christian and Baha'i communities who all um, have different uh, religion, of course, but who have uh, embraced nonviolence as a way of life and as a form of uh, creative resistance. And I think that all of us, uh, regardless of our particular uh, beliefs about you know, God and that sort of thing, can still adhere to the values of nonviolence that, that we've learned from uh, Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. and, and, and countless others. Uh, so uh, what I really hope for is that people are doing peer-to-peer advocacy and that they're also engaging in non-violent resistance. 
I noticed that you had been in Palestine recently and uh, it was on my to-do list to actually contact you and, and debrief that with you, but perhaps we can do that another time. But maybe to just wrap up uh, for tonight, um, you tell us about what is the action tonight and, and probably still just enough time for people to get down there and, and join in. Uh, yeah, I think so. At 7pm outside St George's Cathedral uh, is an event called Stand for Sanctuary, and that's uh, for any person who would like to come and stand up and say that we as a community uh, want to stand for sanctuary for people at risk of being returned to Nauru and indeed for all uh, refugees and asylum seekers. Uh, and the hashtag is let them stay. So whatever social media channel you're on, uh, if you can help to spread the word that uh, we as, a, as an Australian people are, are, are really speaking up and saying that we want to uh, welcome refugees and asylum seekers. Great. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time this evening. No worries.